You know, we debated all week uh, whether Cameron should sing that or if I should sing that song, and we just decided that it was really probably too much for me to do it and then come up and preach, so uh, way to go, way to go, everybody. What a, what a, what a great song uh, and a great message, too, that I'm ready to come alive. I'm not going to wait till I die uh, to come alive. Well, welcome and good morning to all of you. Uh, as Robin mentioned, my name is Paul Mumon and the lead pastor for Genesis, and uh, if you're new to Genesis, uh, I spend most Sundays over at our Noblesville campus preaching. Steve Wallen preaches most Sundays here, but we've switched today, and he's in Noblesville. Uh, I get to be here with you. Steve will be back uh, uh, next week, and so it's so good uh, to share this morning with you. Hey, let me ask you, uh, just by a show of hands, uh, how many of you are hoping uh, that 2015 will be better than 2014, all right? Just, uh, okay, lots of us, I think we'd all agree, and, and even if 2014 was a great year for you, I mean, we want 2015 to be even better. Uh, uh, if it was a challenging year for you, well, we've got good reason uh, to look to another year. And um, we're in the third week of this series called Better, wrapping it up today, where we've been looking at different passages uh, in the Bible that use the word better. Uh, last week, Steve was preaching from Proverbs sixteen 16. We're doing our best to not only hear these words and memorize these words, but to put them to practice. Uh, but in Proverbs sixteen sixteen, we read, how much better to get wisdom than gold, uh, to choose understanding rather than silver. Uh, two weeks ago, we kicked off this series with a video teaching from Pastor Craig Rochelle. Uh, he was preaching from Psalm 8410, which says, Better is one day in your courts, Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. Uh, the verse says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. What's he saying? He's saying, that what, what, what's the better way for us? A, a better way uh, is a day with God. A, a better way is your relationship and my relationship with God. Better is one day with God than a thousand elsewhere. Well, today, I want to look at a verse with you. Uh, a verse and these words uh, that I believe, really believe, have the potential uh, to make a big difference in your life. Uh, these words that we're going to look at today, they have the ability and the power, they come from the Lord uh, to influence you and me uh, in your relationship with God, to influence uh, your marriage or maybe a dating relationship that you're in right now, uh, relationships with others, relationships uh, with your kids. Uh, your response uh, to these words that we're going to look at today have, have the the, the uh, the ability to, to change the way that you see life and maybe the way that uh, you see others around you, Christian or not, uh, today's message has the potential to make a di big difference for you, but you have a choice to make. Uh, you've got to decide what to do with these words. I mean, it, it's all up to you. And it's like the words that we sang uh, or saw from this song just a moment ago. I mean, every day is a choice to be made. And so maybe you've got a choice to make today. We're going to look at these words together. But again, you've got to decide what you're going to do uh, with them. Hey, how many of you, how many of you enjoy Skittles? We have any Skittles fans in the room? All right, a few of you. Uh, Skittles are my favorite candy, all right? You can have your Hershey's Kiss, you can have your chocolate. I mean, if I've got a choice, uh, I'm going with a bag of Skittles. But I've got to be real honest with you. A couple of years ago, the Skittles people uh, made a choice that I'm still a little bitter about. They, they took the green one. They took what was formerly the lime flavor, and they made it an apple flavor. I don't know if you've realized this or not, and I really feel like it's just kind of thrown off the whole bag, the whole experience. 
experience uh, with the Skittles. I was looking online uh, over the past week, and I saw that there's actually a petition out there that you can sign to get them to go back, just to go back to the lime flavor and do uh, the apple, do away with the apple uh, once and for all. But here's what I want to do. I want to let uh, this bag of Skittle, in fact, these bags of Skittles represent, I think, one of the biggest lies that our culture is telling today, and maybe a lie that I'm quick uh, to believe at times, and maybe you're, you are too, and it's this lie that while one handful of something is good, uh, two handfuls of something is even better, all right? Uh, I could have one bag of Skittles, all right, and that, that's a lot of fun, but maybe two bags uh, of Skittles is even better. You got it? I mean, it, it's one of the biggest lies that our culture is telling, this lie that more is better. Here's how it goes. I mean, for you and me, I mean, why put your fourth grader uh, in one sport if you can make room and get them involved in two sports? Uh, or maybe, you know, why, while $1 might be a good thing, I mean, $2 is, is even better. Or if you're a shoe person, and I know that we probably have some guys that are shoe uh, people, uh, but ladies, if you like shoes and you're out buying a pair of shoes and you just see a couple that you can't choose from, I mean, one pair of shoes is a great thing, uh, but two pairs of shoes is even better. I mean, why buy or settle for the 32-inch TV if you can go for the 60-inch television? Television. I mean, that's going to make a big difference tonight when you're watching the game. Or why a one-car garage if you can't get a two-car garage? And so it's this lie that we all fall into, this trap that we fall into, this lie that our culture likes us to believe. It's the lie that more is always better. And when you think about it, it's nothing new. I mean, in fact, if you go all the way back in the Bible, if you go all the way back to Genesis and you read about the Garden of Eden where God created all things, uh, he created Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden together and he said, hey, have fun, be fruitful and multiply, and then God gave them all they could ever want. I mean, he said, hey, all of creation is a gift for you. Enjoy it, all right? Enjoy it, except for one thing. I'm going to put this tree in the center of the garden. You can have everything but the one tree. You can't eat from this one tree. Everything else is for you to enjoy, but this one thing is not for you. Well, then what happens next? Along comes the spiritual enemy. And he's got a lie. He's got a lie for Adam and Eve. He said, hey, God's holding out on you. All right, he, he's given you all these things, but he's holding out with this one thing. You need something else. It's this lie that more is always better. Now, here's what I believe that God has for us today and what I really want to share with you and show you today. And it's in your notes. Uh, if you're following along with us, if you want to fill this in, uh, it's this lesson that it's better all right, God's word has for us, it says that it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Let me illustrate this for you. Let's look to uh, Ecclesiastes, another verse in the Old Testament. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, if you're following along in your own Bibles. And uh, we've got the words here for you on the screen too. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 goes like this. It says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls uh, with toil uh, chasing after the wind. Now we've been doing this together, a little crowd participation, but if you join me, uh, let's Let's read these words together from this verse. Again, from Ecclesiastes 4, 6. Let's say them together. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Let's do it one more time. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Here's what the writer's getting at. He is saying it is better 
to have one handful with tranquility. Now, that word tranquility means peace, uh, to have calm in your life, to have contentment in your life. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. That's two handfuls with a grind. That's two handfuls with frustration and greed and anxiety and stress and this desire for more. And he calls this sort of living chasing after the wind. And that's something that fools do. I mean, why in the world would we ever do something like chase after the wind? Why would we pursue these things that in the grand scheme of things really don't matter? Now, this verse uh, is just packed full of meaning. And you could say that this writer is talking about moderation uh, in the way that we view those things that we possess or desire. Uh, It it, it has everything to do with the way that we see life and, and what we give our time and our attention and our efforts to. I mean, he's talking about priorities. And why does he say, why does he conclude that one handful is better? Well, take the way that you view your possessions, for example. I mean, if I, if I hold my possessions and everything that I have or everything that I desire with one hand, what does it mean that I have? I've got a second hand. I've got a second open hand. It's a hand from which I can help. Uh, it's a hand from which I can serve. It's a hand from which I can receive, you know, the blessings from the Lord that he desires to give to me. It's a, a hand with which I can encourage. I, I want to say, I, I, I want to say for you and me today that this hand represents availability, right? That I am available to the Lord. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter so that we can have more of what does matter. Now, Jesus had something similar to say about this. If you turn over to the New Testament, uh, to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he was teaching uh, a group of people, and he said it like this. He said, hey, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, stop there for just a second. Uh, If you've paid any attention to ESPN over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know that Michael Jordan uh, just turned 50 years of age. Now, I grew up in Illinois. I grew up a Bulls fan, a big Michael Jordan fan. If you love the Pacers and people like Reggie Miller, hey, there's one thing they never did. They never beat Michael Jordan in the Bulls, all right? And uh, so I'm a a big Bulls fan, and when you look at, at Jordan's record, six NBA titles, five MVPs, 10 scoring titles, and 14 all-star appearances. I mean, his legacy on the court really is unmatched. Well, uh, senior writer, ESPN senior writer, Wright, Wright Thompson, did this interview and spent this time kind of looking at life off the court now at the age of 50 for Michael Jordan, particularly looking at his time since his final retirement in 2003. And what he concludes, what he shows is that uh, life hasn't been so special Uh, for Michael Jordan. I mean, uh, here's a guy that revolutionized the world of sports, but today he's lost, as Thompson describes, that nothing does it for him, Uh, that he's got everything that he could ever want. I mean, he's got the big homes, he's got his own plane, he's got an NBA team and all these rings. You could say that he's got two handfuls, and it's not cutting it for him, it's not doing it for him. And so is it any wonder that Jesus said, he said, hey, just watch out. Uh, you know, what you're going to find is that life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, he tells them this parable. Uh, he told this story for those that were listening. He said, hey, imagine this. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. All right, that's good news. 
Uh, He thought to himself, this owner, this farmer thought to himself, what shall I do? I've got no place to store my crops. And so he comes up with a bit of a strategic plan. He says, hey, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll go rent a storage unit, right? I'll just find more space to store all of my things and there I'll store my surplus grain. And then I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Here's what I'll do. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But then Jesus said, but God said to him, you fool. What do fools do? They chase after the wind. He says, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? He goes on to say, this is it how it will be for whoever, with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. See, Jesus was concluding. He was helping to show them with these words that more doesn't mean better. More is not going to get it done. Life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. God's word says for us that it's better to have one handful with tranquility than two hands with toil and chasing after the wind. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter so that we can have more of what really matters. Now, let me just stop there for a second. Before we go any farther, I want to add this. Um, My point today isn't to make a big deal out of what you have or what you desire or, you know, again, what we have as long as we remember that it all belongs to the Lord. I mean, that's really the perspective that he's after for us, that we realize that everything that we have is a gift from him. It all belongs to him. And so, so I, I like to think that he doesn't care so much about what you have. I mean, here, but here's what he does care about. He doesn't want what you have to have you. All right? He doesn't want what you have to have you. And so often that becomes the case for us. And that's why it's better to have one handful with tranquility and with peace and contentment and perspective than to have two handfuls and nothing but a mess and a disaster and a focus on other things in your life. And so, if it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does, let me ask you this. Right now in your life, what matters most to you? I mean, if you just did some kind of inner work as you got to thinking about some of the people around your life right now and some of the things that you've got going on, some of the things that you're dreaming about and you're up to and hope to be up to this year, uh, what matters most to you? You know, again, as you think about your life and your relationships and your priorities, three to four things that matter most to you. You should have received a handout when you came in today. These message notes, uh, if you got this, pull it out for just a moment. Right there in the center, uh, you see, hey, what matters most to you and three blanks. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you... uh, 30 seconds, if you would, if you get a pen, maybe you've got a pen around you, uh, and just think about it, and even if you could list there, what are those three things, the top three things in your life that matter the most to you right now? Uh, take 30 seconds, write that down, go. See, I'm serious, all right? Serious enough to bring music like that. You see, you shouldn't be looking at me right now. You should be looking at your paper, all right? This is an assignment. Don't look at what anybody else is doing either, all right? Just your own sheet. Those three things that matter the most to you. If you know the song, your time's almost up, so. Ha, 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 right? 
But anyway, what, what, what are those three things that matter? What are those three or four or five things that matter the most to you? Now, if you struggle with that, if you found yourself panicking a little bit, you know, I, I don't know what matters most. I got all these things going on in my life, so many things that matter. Well, consider this. Imagine for a moment that you went to the doctor tomorrow. And again, this would be horrible, but you went to the doctor tomorrow and there were some tests and the doctor revealed to you, hey, you've got, you've got 30 days to live. My guess is if that were any one of us, we would immediately go into this mode of thinking about those things that are the most important and we would focus on those things. I, 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 here's what I did. I posed this question on Facebook in the last couple of weeks. I just asked people uh, to respond to a question like this. And um, I, I, I'm just going to tell you that probably some of those responses will, won't surprise you. You know, when I asked, hey, what things matter the most to you? People, things, or people said things like uh, my relationship with God. Uh, that matters the most, uh, my relationship with my husband or uh, my wife or, or my kids, my parents. Uh, some people talked about the importance of their church and, and even this church and the difference it's made in their life or uh, just this desire to really make a difference in the world. And so if I've got 30 days left, is there a mark uh, that I can leave for someone else? You know, maybe for you, maybe if you had 30 days to live, you'd get focused on forgiving someone that you've put off forgiving. Or maybe you've got some people in your life that you would love to tell them about Jesus. Jesus, and you've hesitated to do that, but you'd use these 30 days before it's too late. Sound about right? I mean, those are, those are some of the types of things that, that we all think about. I mean, we all know that these are the most important things. And, and chances are that if you've got 30 days left to live, you're not going to prioritize things like, well, I'm, I'm going to go out and get that bigger house. I've always wanted to get that bigger home. Or, you know what, let's put in granite countertops. We've been putting it off. I've got 30 days left. Let's get the granite. Or, you know, I'm going I'm to get the iPhone 6. You know, I mean, it's just going to make a big difference in my life. Or you wouldn't use those 30 days to see, you know, how many friends you could get on Facebook or how many times you could get something retweeted, all right? We all know that these aren't the most important things. But can I ask you a question? If these things aren't the most important things, why do we make them the most important things in our life? I mean, why is it that so often we, we make these lesser things the most important things for us? I mean, why do we put off you know, what we ought to be doing or what we think or what we know that we should be doing today. I mean, we give so much time and so much attention to these lesser important things and we make them our life and we allow them to dictate our happiness and personal satisfaction. I mean, what's most important? According to God, I mean, which way is better for us? Well, for today, he says for us that it's better to have one handful with tranquility than to have two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. If I approach life, if we approach, if you approach life and make one, uh, two handfuls the goal, it, we get nothing. It, it's chasing the wind, as the Lord says for us. But if I let go of what's less important and really take hold and focus my life on those things that are the most important, there is something better to gain. See, God has a way, a life plan for each of us, but we've got a choice. You've got a choice to make with what you're going to do with this life. Uh, Craig Rochelle, the guy that we heard just a couple of weeks ago, he calls the better life uh, one handful living. And uh, here's what I want to do. For those of you, for those of us that really want to make an effort in 2015 to focus our heart on the Lord and his will and his desire for us, uh, we want to make 2015 better than 2014. I, I want to ask for just a moment, what does one handful living look like for us? And I've got a couple of thoughts for you. Uh, again, they're in your notes. The first thing is this. I, I want to challenge you. I want to get you thinking about letting go of those things that really uh, don't matter. 
And uh, you know this. I mean, we've all got things in our life, things that we give way too much time and attention and effort to, those things that really uh, don't matter. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The writer uh, speaks and says it like this. He says, let us, let's do this as followers of Jesus. Uh, He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Now, he's using some athletic language here and getting people thinking about a runner. And in these days, in those days, uh, a runner would strip off everything that would weigh them down. I mean, they would run naked. I mean, that's what they would do. I mean, they would run naked. They would run naked these races. Now, we're not that kind of church, all right? So I'm not suggesting that you do something like that. But, but as we think about these things, I mean, what do we need to throw off? What do you need to throw off uh, those things that keep you from focusing on the more important things? I mean, we need to spend less time worrying about those things so that we can focus on the life that God has uh, for us, the life that he has for you and me. See, God has, he, he's got something special for you. Uh, he, he's got a plan for your life. He's got a desire and a will for your life. I mean, you, he, he chose you, and uh, he wants to give you a life of purpose and significance, and he loves you, and his way for you is, is better, and for me is better. But unfortunately, uh, just like Adam and Eve, I mean, you and I, we've got a spiritual enemy, and he likes to get in the way. And uh, he's full of lies and deceit, and, and your spiritual enemy wants to keep you believing that more is better, that the lesser things are more important. And so here's what I think. As we get rolling in 2015, we're just a few weeks in. Now's a great time, if you haven't done this already, uh, to do some evaluation and really ask yourself, you know, now's a great time to think about letting go uh, of the less important things so that we can put more emphasis and more of our heart into those things that really matter. And so uh, here's, here's how I want to help you with this. As you think about letting go of these lesser important things, let me challenge you uh, to let go of some things uh, by considering these things. Now, they're not in your notes, but maybe they'll help you as you think about what you need to let go. Uh, the first thing that I'd suggest for you is, is this, to let go by cutting back. All right, now what do I mean by this? Well, for a lot of us, this has to do with our spending. Uh, This has to do with things like our schedule. And uh, so let me just share on this for just a moment. I want to challenge you to think about cutting back uh, in your spending. And so uh, as we think about our verse today, as we think about God's better way for us from Ecclesiastes 4, 6, what does one handful uh, look like when it comes to your spending and my spending? Uh, Well, I'd like to say it like this, better is a budget. Uh, to have a budget. Better is uh, financial margin in your life. Uh, Better is living within your means. Uh, Better is giving and generosity. Uh, When it comes to money and when it comes to spending, better is one handful uh, with tranquility. Now, what's two handfuls when it comes to money? Well, two handfuls when it comes to money is fighting over money all the time. Uh, two handfuls is worry and greed when it comes to do we have enough or uh, we want more. Two handfuls is buying things uh, that we don't really need uh, with money that we don't really have. Uh, two handfuls is tying up every dollar uh, that you ever earn for yourself into things of this world and into savings plans. It's everything, and what we do is we make little, if any, of our resources available to God. Uh, It's chasing after the wind. And so maybe for you, the question that you need to be asking, that we need to be asking as we move into this year, is do you need to cut back? Uh, Is money the Lord over your life right now, or is Jesus Christ the Lord over your life? 
Uh, is money the most important thing to you? Now, not only do we need to cut back uh, when it comes to things like our spending, uh, but some of us need to cut back when it comes to the way that we use our time uh, and our schedules too. And I feel like a little bit of a hypocrite uh, in sharing this because I just came off a very busy week with a number of different responsibilities and rushing from one place to another all week long. And so I say that as a bit of confession today and, and convicted in that. But do you know what I think is killing us right more? Uh, now uh, in our culture, maybe right here in central Indiana more than anything, it's our pace. Uh, It's this pace that we try and keep. It's our schedules. It's our time. It's rushing from one place to another. And we go and we go all week long and we don't slow down. And everyone is tired and everyone is busy all the time. I mean, you walk up to somebody today and you say to them, hey, how are you doing today? Chances are you're going to get a response like, oh, I'm busy. Yeah, we're really busy right now. Now, that won't happen now because I just said that. And so you won't say that after the service today. But that's usually, that's typically our response. And and, and you know what I think, too? I, I think this fast-paced life that we try and keep, uh, it's affecting our church, too. And, and so often we go and we go and we go all weekend long. We go all week long and into the weekend, and because of it, we've got no time for others. And we feel like, you know, I've got no time to serve at church, or I don't have the time to join something like a connection group. And, hey, I get it, all right? We've, we've got three kids in school right now, and we know the pace uh, that we're often forced into. And I know you've got a job that demands a lot of you, and, and I know that we love our football, and we've got so much going on. But I think so often we've got these too many lesser important things that we've got our focus, uh, that we're focused on, and these things that are pulling us away from what truly matters most. And if you're a Christian, I think one of the things that should matter the most to you is is your relationship with God. And it should be your time with your church and to a place like Genesis that it should be one of the most important things in your life. And not only because of what you get from it, but hey, here's what I want you to know, Genesis. Here's what I want you to know, Carmel Campus. You're extremely important to this church. And I mean, look around you right now and what's been happening here over the last couple of years. I mean, you're making a difference. And you're making a difference for the Lord. And and attending and worshiping church each week is an important part of your growth and my growth as a follower of Jesus. But you've got an important part to play uh, here and with this church. And when you're not here and when you're not serving, we suffer. Man, we suffer because of it, because you have an important part to play in this, and you're playing that part. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. He says, but you're a chosen people. And I think these words are for us, Genesis that Peter would say to us, Genesis Church, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hey, here's what I'm thinking. As you think about for you, Uh, Some of those things that you might let go of in 2015 uh, so that you can focus on what's more important. Let me just challenge you with this. Uh, Cut back on your schedule. Find ways to slow the pace down and create margin in your life so that you can continue to play an important part of this church. All right, And finding a place to serve and getting connected and really knowing others uh, in relationship here at Genesis. We need you. Uh, you're an important part to play in this church, and uh, you've got an important role with us uh, every week as we serve the Lord together. And so we want to let go uh, for the sake of the better by cutting back. Um, but let me also suggest this too, that why not also take this time to throw some things out? All right, to, to throw out. Now here's what I mean by that. For some of you, 
there's never been a better time to donate to Goodwill, all right? You, you've seen the commercial before, all right? We, we've experienced this in our house a few weeks ago. It just all felt like it was coming in on us, all right? Have you ever had coming off of Christmas? You ever feel that? It just feels like, man, there is no space here anymore. And so we declared a day of throwing out, and we went room to room, every single one of us in our home, and we loaded up the back of the van. We took the stuff to Goodwill. Uh, Jenny was there. She opened the van. The guy looked at it and said, wow, you guys did some cleaning out today. And uh, it felt good. Now, one of the things that we cut back on that we, we got rid of is we have all of these Christmas ornaments. Now, my wife has been collecting Hallmark ornaments now for years, and so we've accumulated a number of these ornaments. Now, if you know Hallmark Christmas ornaments at all, you know that these are expensive little boogers, all right? I mean, they really are, and we have the boxes for all of them, and so Jenny said, you know what? We've got way too many of these. We've collected so many of these over the past years, and so we put together a bag full, and so I thought to myself, I'm not going to just give these away, and so I put them for sale on, on Craigslist, all right? And, uh, you know, it took a couple of weeks, but I finally got a buyer. Now, if, if you've done Craigslist before, it just kind of always feels a little shady, doesn't it? I mean, just, there's like, like a deal going down, and as you're emailing, and you finally exchange a phone call, and then you've got to arrange that meeting point. And so you're talking to this person that you don't know on the phone, and you're like, you know, you set a time in a public place, and, you know, yeah, I'll be there. You be there, too, all right? And don't bring anybody, all right? I mean, you just come by yourself. And so we arranged this meeting place. Place, uh, at the corner of uh, Allistonville Road at 96th Street, the Einstein Bagels parking lot, all right? And Jenny went with me, all right? I cheated. And, you know, we got there, and this lady pulled in the parking lot, and so she got out, and I had this bag of ornaments, and she's like, you got the stuff? I'm like, yeah, I got the stuff. And, uh, and she's like, well, can I see some of that? I don't want to make sure you're not just selling me some empty boxes. And so I, I opened a few of them, and then we got to talking. And uh, she said, you know, hey, um, I'm really excited to get these. She said, I'm a part of this uh, Hallmark Ornaments Club uh, on the Internet. And I'm thinking to myself, people do this? this is what you do? But so anyway, uh, but uh, she's like, they're not for me. There's, there's a woman that we've met through this club, and she's been collecting these ornaments for 40 years. And you know what? She just had a house fire, and they lost everything. And uh, so we're just rounding up ornaments like these. And do you know what? And I don't know if you were here a couple of weeks ago, but Pastor Craig Rochelle talked about instant obedience. And I wish I did this every time. I don't. But in that moment, the Lord really spoke into my life, and he said, Paul, you give these to her. And uh, so I, I just handed them over to her, just knowing that what a cool gift from my wife and I, from somebody that we don't know. And uh, so, you know, maybe for you, you know, you've, you've got, if you feel the house just kind of shrinking a little bit, sometimes it feels good to get rid of. All of a sudden, we realize we don't need as much as we thought we did. And so what does it look like for you to eliminate or to throw out or uh, to cut back? Um, Something else, as you think about uh, giving more of your time and attention to the things that really matter, it might mean turning off uh, some things, too. Here's what I mean by that. We spend, we're great as, as Americans at this, we spend so much time with things like TV and media. Now, listen, my wife and I, uh, we've loved watching all of the Friends episodes on Netflix these past couple of weeks, all right? And if you're into Netflix, you've seen these, too, and maybe you've been following along. All right, but do you know what? Um, in the grand scheme of things, watching reruns on on Netflix is never going to change the world, all right? It's just not going to get it done. And again, there's nothing wrong with TV, all right, and watching a movie from time to time as long as we keep moderation in mind, all right, moderation in everything, but don't lose your life watching TV. 
Oh, don't waste your life, you know, watching TV. Don't lose a marriage. Don't lose special time with your kids. Uh, don't, don't lose these things because you can't turn off the PlayStation. Um, you know, take advantage of the time that you've been given. And along those same lines, too, I, I think some of us, we need some better boundaries uh, when it comes to phone usage. All right, like this guy, check this out. I don't know if you saw this story of this video. This middle school basketball referee who answered his phone in the middle of a middle school basketball game. He is walking up and down the court as he carries on with this conversation. Now, we look at something like that and we think, that's ridiculous. Why in the world would you ever do something like that? Let me say this to you. There's a good chance that you'll walk into a restaurant for lunch this afternoon and see a whole group of people around a table, maybe even a family, and every single one of them will be staring at their phone. We do that. You know, the the phone, our phones have become an idol for us. Um, I'd like to challenge you with this as you go into this year. Uh, Would you think about cutting back, maybe turning off, maybe setting some boundaries uh, with your phone usage uh, so that you can be fully present with people when you're with them, with your friends, uh, with your family, uh, with your kids, you know, turn it off, you know, put it away, you know, establish some rules in your home that, hey, when we're together, when we're eating a meal or from these hours to these hours, we're putting our phones away so that we can be together. Now, some of you might be thinking by now, what am I supposed to do with all this time you're freeing up for me? (laughs) Meet people, invite people into your home and into your life. Uh, Play games with your kids. Read a book. Find a place to serve in the community. Uh, Serve at a place like Genesis Church. Do more of what has the potential to make a difference for others. Uh, Todd Henry says it like this in his book, Die Empty. He says, imagine for a moment that you'll have a guest accompanying you throughout your day tomorrow. This person's task will be to follow you around from the moment you wake up until the moment you fall asleep. Here's what they're going to do. They'll take copious notes about your schedule, how you interact with your family and friends, how you engage in your task and projects, and your mindset through it all. Once the day is over, this person will spend the next few days processing their observations, draw conclusions about your motivation, and compile their notes into a book about you that will stand as the definitive record of your life and work. Let me ask you this. If someone spent a day or a few days with you and wrote a book about you and what's most important with you, uh, in your life by what they see, what would they conclude? You know, would you be pleased with what those pages would reveal? And what would they say is the most important to you? And for you, you just have to ask yourself, is it working? Is it satisfying? Is it what God wants for me? See, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It's about giving up, you know, uh, giving up what's less important so that we can focus on what's most important. Hey, Starbucks did something back in uh, 2008 that I don't remember, but it was a big move uh, for their company that really made a big difference in the direction they were heading. Uh, One Tuesday afternoon, they locked their doors across the country, 7,100 stores, and uh, just simply posted a note that said, hey, we're taking the afternoon off, and we're taking this time off so that we can get back to those priorities and those things that we know will make a big difference in what we're called, uh, what our vision is for this company. And the decision was 
was made by Chairman and Chief uh, Executive at the time, Howard, or today, Howard Schultz, after taking back the reins of a company that in 2008 was struggling and had lost their edge a bit. Well, Wall Street couldn't believe it, and, and people were upset about it. People complained. But in the end, their move helped steer their company back in the right direction and out of troubled water and, and because they focused on the most important things. What they did is for three hours, instead of selling coffee, all 135,000 employees at the time went through training on what they called the Starbucks experience. And, and, and so they got back to focusing on the basics, like how to pull a great shot of espresso. And, and again, instead of selling, you know, they reprioritized. They got back to their priorities. Um, I tell you that because here's my question for you and for me. If Starbucks can take an afternoon off to improve and perfect their espresso, uh, what do you need to do to get back to the most important things in your life? Um, This is just a very practical challenge for you today. Would you consider, whether it be today or tomorrow or this week or in the coming weeks, would you consider setting aside some time and maybe just working through some of the things that we've talked about today? looking at those priorities and asking yourself, am I, am I giving my full attention and time and effort to these things? Or what are those things that are really distracting me? Uh, what do I really need to get back to uh, for the sake of living my life the way that God has set out for me? To prioritize, to come up with a plan and with these changes, and then to execute uh, these changes. I, I've, I did this in the last few weeks. I try and do that every time uh, of this year. And as I think about those five, four priorities for me, I mean, first, before anything, is my relationship with the Lord. Um, I know that there is nothing that can replace my relationship with the Lord and, and the time that I spend with him. Second for me is my marriage. Uh, to my wife, Jenny, we've been married for 17 years, and uh, I, I hope we have a, the, the Lord has in mind for a number of more years. I, I love Jenny, and uh, I want her to get you know my full presence whenever we're together and to really invest in our marriage. Number three for me is my, are my children. Uh, Joel and Luke and Kate, I was uh, looking at some pictures. They were at school the other day. I was looking at some pictures just going all the way back 11 years ago and look at some of the pictures that we've accumulated of our kids. And, man, I tell you, I was getting all teary and just sobbing, and it was just me, all right? So I don't have to worry about anybody seeing me or anything. But I'll tell you, I had a moment where I was watching one of those videos, and I thought to myself, I hope I was fully present when that took place because I'm not getting this back. And man, what a great reminder for me and just the way the Lord spoke in my life and said, hey, from this day forward, all right, every day, every moment, you know, what's most important? Fourth for me is just my ministry, uh, the calling that God has put on my life to serve with Genesis Church. Man, I love this church and I I love serving here and I'm so grateful that God has called me to be a part of Genesis and just asking him to do even more in my life. But what's it for you? What are those three or four things? that are more, most important to you? And what do you need to let go of so that you can spend more time focusing on these things? Hey, here's what God might do at this time for you right now. Um, for some of you, um, you might um, feel like you're experiencing some guilt um, when instead that's really just the work of the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit, God's presence works in us is he convicts us when we've sinned, uh, when we've gotten off course and gotten focused on other things. And so... Uh, If he wants to use this time today or this afternoon uh, to get you back moving in the right direction to enlighten you to some new things, let him do that work. Uh, Let him open up your heart and, um, you know, ask him and ask yourself, pray and listen, God, what do you want to do through me? How do you want to get me back on a better track, your way, Lord, and what you have 
for my life and let him do this work. And then as you begin to see it, all right, and as you begin to see those things that are most important, the better, I want you to let go of what doesn't matter. And number two in your notes is, and and then fight for what matters most because the enemy will come after you, all right? And he's going to want to get you distracted again. And, And don't buy into this culture's lie that more is better, but let go of what doesn't matter so that you can take hold of what matters because it's not too late. And your life is important. And God can rescue your marriage, and he can save your kids, and he can restore your strength and your desire to live. And so fight for what matters most. And then finally, make Jesus your one. Make Jesus your one. And here's what I mean by this. Jesus doesn't want to simply be a priority in your life. He's not even satisfied in just making the top three or making the top five for you. He doesn't want you to just invite him in. He wants you to let him be Lord over all things in your life and to influence your life. Jesus said it like this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And not only did he say those words for us, but he demonstrated it too every day in the way that he lived and what was most important to him. Friends, let's let go of what doesn't matter. Fight for what matters most. Make Jesus our one. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your work and for your words for us today. And uh, we just say that we want to hear from you today, God. And my hope and my prayer is that our response will be, Lord, take my life. Take every bit of my life. Uh, speak what you want to speak to me. Open up my heart and lighten my heart today. For some of you today, if you feel like you're experiencing some guilt or conviction in your life, seek his forgiveness. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so experience that forgiveness today and then go in a new direction. Choose the better way. And as we do that, Lord, we pray that you'd give us the strength, that you'd give us the faith to make changes. And even in our hurting and in our pain, Lord, give us hope and faith in you for all things. Let's let our response be today. Genesis Church, as we pray, as we open up our hearts, let's just pray, Lord, we make you the one to influence and to guide and to be the Lord of over all things in our life. We pray, Jesus, I trust you. I put my hope in you. My heart is yours, Lord. Lord, rule my life. Take my life today. Father, we offer our hearts and our lives in this year to you. Change us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.